0: Welcome to the Just an Honest podcast. This is your host, KB. I'm a lifestyle designer, intuitive healer, and a creator of a wellness workspace called the KB Apothecary. Welcome to my world. We're cultivating a lifestyle environment based with quality of consciousness for all. Here to unveil your authentic truth. What does that mean? listening to find out, because we are all multi-hyphenate beings. So join me on the ride. It's getting deep. Okay, I'm so happy to be here off the telephone. Guys, I just spent a good hour trying to reset passwords. I mean, do you hear me? Are you with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's most appropriate um, that we talk about that, that aggravation and just me venting right here, right? It's so appropriate, right? I'm just being honest. But that brings me to my next guest today. I am a huge, huge, huge advocate for therapy, third-party help, um, whatever you want to call it, a counselor. I am have worked with therapists. I'm not currently with one. I'm actually currently shopping for one right now. It's a process for me because I don't match with just any person out there. So I take just a little bit of time here and there to find the perfect match. So with that being said, I have this amazing, amazing guest on the show today, Dr. Anjali excuse me, Anjani Amlati. I just messed up all the syllables in her name, but what a beautiful soul she is. Um, and I can't wait to tell you more about her. So (laughs) please tag along with me on this journey. And guys, I also want to point something else out to you. Um, the fact that today is, Microbiome Day. I think all of us know the importance of gut health and how it just has such benefits on our life, you know, when we have good gut microbiomes, or perhaps if our gut microbiome is poor, dysbiosis, you know what I'm talking about. But with that being said, I just want to kick it off at the top of the hour that, because um, this has to go hand in hand with the show that our gut health is our immune health. And when we feel great, we mentally will feel great, right? So we're talking all about mental health today. Huge, huge, huge advocate, as I said before, on mental health. And so, yeah, it's microbiome day. So you know what my favorite microbiome is? It's ion biome. So you guys can check out that in the show notes. The link is right there. You can read up more on Dr. Zach Bush and his whole whole story behind Ion Biome. So without further ado, you just turned on the Just Being Honest podcast. Here we go. Let's jump into our therapeutic session right here and right now. Guys, welcome back to the Just Being Honest podcast. It's your girl KB here, your lifestyle designer. Let me tell you something very exciting in my world is that I know a lot of you may not understand, but it's been like, hmm I feel like two years, it's been too long. Um, my swimming pool, the full lap lanes, the full 50 meters are open. The locker rooms are open. I took a shower after swimming today. It was ice cold, you know, but hey, the plumber's coming today, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, what can you expect with the showers not being used for a year and probably a half? So that is, really good news on my end. That is such a mood booster. So I hope you're having a great start of your summer. I know we had the summer solstice. I'm getting so cosmically aligned over here. You know, Mercury going in a, re, into retrograde. It's coming out of retrograde. Jupiter in retrograde. Are you following me? Anyways, So don't let that concern you, but what I do have on the show today is an amazing guest, like all of my guests are. Um, I'm super excited because this is a guest I wanted to have on during the uh, quote-unquote specified month of awareness but um, of this topic that we're going to talk about. I know I try to sound so sneaky, but we have her now, and I'm so grateful, and I hope we get to have her on More than one time, but our guest today is going to be talking all about mental health. One of my very favorite topics to talk about. I think this is a topic that, you know, it shouldn't just have one month to designate it to, but I think we should be designating every single day of our lives to it and the importance of it so without further ado welcome to the show dr anjali amladi also known as we'll just call her dr a welcome to the show
1: thank you so much for having me
0: and guys we are you know long distance so remember just tech issues may arise but just kind of keep us in your ears okay so Dr. A, I have to ask you first and foremost, what was your childhood upbringing like? Because I always like to ask, especially people that are in the field that you're in. You're a a psychiatrist. Wait. Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Why do I always confuse them? Like everyone, right? Psychiatrist. You're a psychiatrist and... What made you kind of jump into that field? Did you, as a child, always know that you kind of wanted to be a doctor of that field? Were you always a thinker? Um, Go for it. What was your childhood upbringing like?
1: Um, So I'll tackle the how did I end up here question first. I actually always really loved math and science when I was younger. And I knew that I wanted to do something in medicine because I wanted to help people. I didn't know exactly what kind of doctor I wanted to be it wasn't actually until medical school that I really started getting exposure to different types of specialties just by nature of how medical training is you get exposed to a little bit of everything and I was realizing as I was going through my rotations that mental health was one of the things that I really enjoyed being a part of and that's how I ended up becoming a psychiatrist because I just fell in love with it
0: wow and I I mean I didn't go to medical school and I didn't, you know, learn about all the dynamics of that. But I mean, especially you probably being at a very young age to be very mature enough to like, you know, realize that connection of that and how important that was to be a leader in a, um, I guess I would say like, a, I want to say a platform leader on a topic such as that. You know where there is such a strong stigma around it. I know, if I can be completely honest with you, people and guys, I'll just say this. You know, oh my gosh, you, you, you're beautiful. You know, da da da. You've got it all together. You know, you're an athlete, whatever. But guys, you can look at someone's outside and really not know what's going on behind closed doors. Just like a celebrity, for example. You know, they look like they have it all, but really something could be going on mentally. And I hate when we kind of classify mentally as such like a deep, dark, gruesome thing because in all reality, and it's just like the health of our heart, right? Cardiovascular, you know, mental health, like they're all going hand in hand here. So you were in med- medical school and that was kind of like your target. Now I want to hear more about your childhood upbringing, because this jumps into kind of like the dynamics of how we grow up and why we want to go into medical school, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. So my dad is actually originally from India. My mom is originally from Hawaii, and they actually met in San Francisco. So they met in San Francisco, they ended up getting married, moved to the suburbs. Uh, that's where I was born, actually. I'm from the Bay Area originally. And my parents were both very in disservice. So my dad grew up in a developing nation. Poverty and illness and things like that were something that were really apparent for him growing up. And my mom actually grew up fairly poor as well. She grew up on a farm in Hawaii below the poverty line, actually. So for her to be able to go to college and get a good job and raise a family and not struggle was a really big thing for her as well. So both of my parents really came with the perspective of service and understanding and empathy for people's situations because that's how they were raised and they kind of instilled that in me growing up. So being from the East Bay, you know, San Francisco and Oakland and all these places are really close by and big cities often have big problems like homelessness and mental health and substance use and poverty and stuff like that. So having gone to the city quite a bit, just by nature of where I grew up, these are things that I was seeing as well from a really young age. And I decided probably in elementary school that I wanted to do something about that, but I didn't necessarily know exactly what that was. So as I got older and became more and more interested in math and science, but also kept in the back of my mind that I really like working with people and I wanted to feel like I was making a difference. The kind of natural progression for me was was to become a doctor, as I thought that was probably one of the most meaningful ways to be helpful with using my skill set to be able to do that.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's so beautifully said. I mean – to be even like that young, I remember like the things that I would have gone through. First of all, I never wanted to go into the medical field just because I got squeamish at the vet's office when we had to take my cat to the vet. But that's just me. I was more of the artist, the more of the speaker, more of the leader on that end, more of the captain. But I guess everyone has their purpose. And what a beautiful story that is. I mean, guys, I think like we can all kind of take Dr. A's words and kind of like implant them in our own lives like right now like I know I don't live I wouldn't classify Santa Barbara as a huge city by any means but I mean there's a lot of hustle and bustle but the amount of and I've lived in big cities I've lived in LA I've lived in downtown LA and you know here the amount of homelessness it's like absurd like it's almost like why is this happening like this shouldn't happen and a lot of people are like, well, people choose to be homeless sometimes, whatever, it still shouldn't happen, you know, and like the mental health aspect is huge upon that. And some people, when they were growing up, they weren't raised with um, leaders, I guess, you know, you could call them parents or guardians, but they weren't raised with people that were guiding them and showing them a way that was helpful. Maybe they didn't, maybe they were, maybe they were. And then something else just happened along the way that kind of set them off. I don't know. You tell me what is kind of like the number one, um, I guess you could say classification. Can we call them classifications of mental health that you see that come, um, through your doorway?
1: So when I was working mostly with adults, cause right now I work mostly with children. So When I was working mostly with adults specifically just to kind of target the homelessness issue, people don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to decide to be homeless today. When I see people who walk through the doors, for example, in the emergency department or in an acute mental health crisis, there's a story behind how they ended up there at that time in that moment. And once they become, you know, mentally clear enough to have that discussion, it's amazing what you can learn about a person when you spend time getting to know them. So when I was working with adults, um, I will probably say one of the greatest factors leading to homelessness was trauma either a history of physical emotional or sexual abuse exposure to domestic violence exposure to parental substance abuse coping with negative home environments or just living arrangements in general leading to substance abuse problems that kind of compounded on themselves and also having kind of a lack of of guidance of a parental figure or a guardian figure that was teaching them that there's a different way. Um, I also worked for the VA for a very long time and a lot of the the homeless veterans that I would see either in the emergency department or on the hospital floor or on the consultation service were combat veterans Mm -hmm. who just were not able to reintegrate back into society after having gone to war and come back different. So I think it's very easy to be judgmental when you're looking at people from the outside and not really getting a chance to hear or listen to their stories. That's something that I'm really fortunate to have been able to do through this job. And I, I would encourage people to kind of think about, you know, what you may be seeing on the surface is definitely not
0: all that makes a person I 100% agree with that um you know often at times back to the swimming I walk past this park and it's there's a lot of homeless people there there's a lot of mentally ill a lot of them are talking to themselves a lot of them don't look like the way a lot of people look like in the morning I would say like it's not like they're freshly showered or groomed but to be honest with you guys, it's just a little dirt, you know, you just get the dirt off and it's a changed person, right? It's like getting a haircut. But the amount of times as, you know, quote unquote scary, they may look, you know, um, a lot of the times I feel like they're just exhausted on life and which makes me really sad. But the amount, the amount of times that they actually look me on the eye in the eye and ask me about my swimming, How was your swimming? Like, literally, they opened up conversation and I just talked to the back to them. It's not like they're here to harm us. They're just in a different position than us. I don't know how we got off on the homeless topic, but I think that's a really just good example of mental health. Um, Another point that I'd like to make, especially, you know, going through the pandemic and stuff, I have had um, bouts of depression in my life, like feelings of it. It is definitely probably genetic in my family um and you know I think a lot of us have just started to recognize that feeling of what is this what is this and oh my gosh this is depression or this is this you know um and where was I going with that I look different on the outside to the common eye to my neighbors than I do I don't want to get emotional about this, but on the, you know, on the inside, like when I go home, you know, I've dealt with some autoimmune issues that don't make me very excited to show my presence to people on a daily basis. You know, sometimes I have flare ups. And so we really just can't judge people from the outside thinking that they A, have a perfect life or B, are not going through anything because sometimes I sit at home and I think, wow, if I'm thinking like this, or if I'm thinking about things like this, everyone's got to be thinking about things like this. You know, I mean, the general population, especially what we've gone through. Can I bring something up to you? And maybe you can kind of help us out because I think maybe I'm talking on behalf of a lot of other people. (sighs) Okay, so (laughs) the world is opening up. I'm in my 30s. I'm in my young 30s. I'm Technically, I'm a single woman. I live by myself with a puppy, right? And I would like not to be alone all the time. You know, I would love to start dating, being in relationships. I haven't had the best track record with relationships, and I thought I was ready, and then the world closed, right? Now, and I am in a new town, right? So now I am ready to get back out there. I'm ready to actually talk to people. But Dr. A, I find that I can't. I find that now I just want to be in my safe little home that I'm an introvert. Like I found out that I am actually an introvert. And it's really hard because in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, it's totally fine. Like I'm excited. I want to get out there. I want to meet and talk with people. But in the end, I'm like, when it happens, I'm like, I don't want to, I'm, I can't, I can't even, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to anyone, not even like, you know, a girlfriend or something, you know? So how do you recommend for people to feel comfortable and feel safe with just engaging in conversation? Um, because I feel like I'm stumbling over my tongue on a daily basis with people. Um, and another point to this How do you recommend people try to really honor what they've cultivated in 2020? Because I know we've all found out a lot about ourselves, and we do not want to push away our truths. Um, What are your recommendations?
1: Yeah, and I think the best way to kind of describe how people are feeling with things opening up after almost a year plus of the vast majority of things being closed is anxiety. I think a lot of people are feeling really anxious about what is this new normal that we're potentially walking into. And I think the best advice that I can give is go at your own pace because what your neighbor is doing or what your best friend is doing or what your sister is doing is going to look different than what it is that you're doing and what you're ready for in the moment. And I think it's totally normal to be a little bit apprehensive or a little anxious or out of practice, because if you think about it, we've been, for the most part, if we have nuclear families, sheltering in place with our nuclear families, but if you're, like you mentioned, if you're single and don't have a partner, a lot of people have been doing this by themselves. And socialization, like any skill gets dull if it's not used. So one of the things that I think is really important is to add the word yet to whatever it is that you feel like is not going well, or that you feel like you quote unquote, can't do, I'm not ready to go outside yet. I'm not ready to talk to people yet, but at some point when you keep reminding yourself that eventually there's going to be a time when you feel comfortable And whatever pace you go at is okay. Because your journey is going to look different than anybody else's journey. And that's okay.
0: Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yet, guys, remember. Yet. Like, it will happen. And at our own pace. And, you know, I think the most important thing especially is, um, my next point of the question is, we cultivated such honorable truths about ourselves in 2020 you know, we really found out what our passions were, what lit us up. You know, a lot of us quit jobs, corporate jobs. The new paradigm is coming, right? We got out of the old paradigm, what did not suit us. And we started to stand up a little taller and say like, I want to pursue this, or I like this, or I don't like Mexican food. Why did I always go to, you know, blah, blah, blah. or You know, something like that. How do we, when we, I guess I could say like, how do we, put our new brand out there and really stand behind it in the fields of pressure of feeling to belong again.
1: Yeah. I think this year has, has forced us just by nature of what's happening in the world to really ask ourselves, what is important? What can I live with? What can I live without? What can I not live without? And what do I want my life to look like? based on my morals and values and ethics basically what makes me tick and what is important and i think when you really ask yourself that question and you really boil it down to needs versus wants what is it that you really need there's a lot of things that we want out of life right but they are not necessarily things that we need so when we talk about the things that we really need then we're forcing ourselves to ask the question, what is important to me? What is of value to me? And once you kind of boil that down and figure out what the bare bones essentials are that you need, then you have the power to say no to things that don't fit that paradigm for you. What a lot of people have learned is that they can say no to things. No, I don't want to work in the office. Yes, I would rather work from home. No, I don't want to travel to 50 different states in the next year. Yes, I would rather work for a job that has less travel. And I think when, you, when your values are aligned with your behaviors, that is the recipe for happiness. When you're doing things that go against your moral fabric, it's a recipe for unhappiness disappointment and all of the other things that come along with not living within your values so i think this year people have been forced to really think about what their values are and i would encourage people to stick with those because it's amazing what we will do or have done when we get offered a larger paycheck. And the question is, at what cost? So at the end of the day, you can't take it with you. Do you wanna live a life based on how much money you make and potentially be miserable? Or do you wanna live a life with maybe potentially making a little less money, but being happy and full and fulfilled and living within your ethics morals and values and that's not a question that I can answer for you that's something that everybody is going to have to have to figure out for themselves and decide what's the right answer for them
0: oh my gosh I love that needs versus wants needs versus wants I think that's been something that's been instilled in me for a lot of my life I think my mom has really put that on me um what do you need versus what do you want? Like when you were a little child, especially, and you work with children primarily right now, I want to ask you, um, because I don't have children, but I do have four coming on five nieces and nephews and they mean the world to me. And I just want to make sure that they are, you know, heading in the right direction. Um, So with the pandemic, we'll start with the pandemic. Um, what do you see, I think we can kind of all guess, but what are you seeing come into your office or coming in to question with children? Um, I don't know if you usually see children alone or with a parent, but what are they kind of expressing to you? Cause I feel like children are more brilliant than adults.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Their kids are amazing. They're really incredible because they, they are so honest about things in in a way that adults, you know, we learn to filter, we learn to minimize, we learn to kind of tailor what we say to match kind of the moment or the mood in the room. Kids are just honest. You ask them a question and they will give you an answer. And I think that's one of the most fun things about working particularly with younger kids. But for the majority of kiddos that i see and i do see families i I always work within the family unit so if i'm seeing a child i also see whoever the guardian is and um maybe not in the same session but at some point everybody that's in that dynamic in the household is in my office to get a well-rounded perspective of what's happening so the vast majority of kiddos and families are really having a hard time with the unknown, the anxiety of what might happen in the future, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic. Initially, for the first few days, few weeks, maybe the first month, kids are really excited because it was like an extended vacation. It was really cool that they could do school from home. And they were with their parents or guardians or whoever, kind of while we were all trying to figure this thing out. But then when the reality kind of hits that, this is how it's gonna be for the foreseeable future, there's a lot of uncertainty and anxiety about that. And now that we've been you know, going through this for a year plus now, and now the plan is for kids to go back to school in person in the fall, there's understandably a lot of anxiety around that as well. So I think the, the most common thing that, that walks through my doors since the pandemic is, is anxious kids. Hmm.
0: So uh, most of the kids these days have been growing up on technology and then they get more technology thrown in their face, kind of like an adult does, you know. You, now you have to sit in front of a computer. I mean, I've seen so many, I'm sorry, they're kind of funny, of kids, you know, the p- parents that I know posting pictures of their kids like on Zoom and putting like, so over this and they're like hanging off their chair and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of how a lot of adults want to act at work. (laughs) Like so over this, you know, but now that kids have had a lot more technology in their face, do you find that kids are coming to you and saying, I hate this? Like, do you think that these kids are going to grow up and, be totally against social media and be against wanting to work on computers and be more, like, hands-on artistic? Or what do you think? Like, what's your theory?
1: You know, it's hard to say because every kid is different, right? I think the general consensus from the vast majority of my kids is that they're totally over the online learning aspect of it, that they – want to be kids and it's really difficult to do that when you're not on a school campus around same-age peers with a teacher teaching in person I mean technology is fun and just like anything too much of anything is not a good thing right so they I think that they've handled it beautifully for the most part considering how difficult this last year has been for them but at the end of the day they want to be kids and The way that school was you know online and very little in person some kids were getting hybrid learning some at school some at home towards the end of the year but in general they were over it just beyond over it so i i don't have a crystal ball so i can't predict what the future is going to be like but i can tell you from what i've seen clinically is that my kiddos are just over the whole online learning thing they could not wait to get onto summer break So they could go outside and take trips with their families and see their friends and hug their grandparents and stuff like that. So that is definitely something that I've seen.
0: Oh, I mean, to be a kid again, swear. I think I was thinking about that this morning when I was swimming laps. It's like I had the best memories, you know in the summertime doing my swim team and I was it was just me and all my swim buddies, you know, and then I'd go to synchronized swimming and then I'd go to tennis after that. And I was at the pool all day, you know, the pool complex. It was the best. And then you do a sleepover and then you play outside. But I grew up in the Midwest, so it was completely different. Um but anyways, with that, you did write a book, which I do want to share about, called When the World Got Sick, and it's a children's book specifically. Um tell us Obviously, COVID was your inspiration behind this um, and the kind of how you felt, you know, so much relating to the children and what they were wanting to pro- probably know and learn from this. Um, what kind of catapulted this even further beyond that? Why did you want to write this book? And tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So, when the beginning of the pandemic hit, one thing that parents were constantly asking was for resources on how to discuss the pandemic and the implications of it and how to bring it up and how to open the door to that conversation uh, for younger kids, for school age kids, like elementary school. And I would spend kind of hours after all of my visits were over looking for resources, trying to find children's books and Trying to figure out, you know, better support my kiddos and their families, and I wasn't finding anything. So I figured, if I can't find anything to help support my families, then who better to write a book than myself? Since this is something that I'm seeing almost every day. Well, at that point, it was probably every day, multiple times a day. I need to do something about it, and so I did. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how the book. Uh, came to be because i I was just feeling so badly about my kiddos and families just struggling so much with how to talk about it and how to live through it, with all the stress that was going on while we were all trying to figure out how to do this. And so that's that's how it ended up happening.
0: Bless you for working for, you know, with children, on the behalf of children, all the children, because, you know, I mean, they are our future. I, I know everyone's, you know, we've heard it more and more, but especially with what we've gone through, like even politically, what we've gone through and, um, you know, racial injustice, you know, all of the things. I think these children are our future and we need strong leaders like yourself to really you know, or even aunts and uncles, if you don't have children yourself, if you're an aunt or an uncle, like really, really take them under your wing and let them know that they have a safe place with you to talk, to express themselves, to kind of share some things with you. You know, Um, I think that's really important because, you know, I can say this and I still need to practice it myself, but isolation is no way to live. And, you know, I'm being an introvert. I was kind of okay with it in the beginning, but then now I'm like, I just need more space. I need to breathe. I need to meet people. I need to laugh and hug people. Like I never realized how much I missed laughing and hugging people. Um, so guys, if you ever see me, give me a hug. (laughs) I love hugs. Um, So with that, oh, that's a perfect segue to something else I want to ask you is it's kind of a hot topic, but I think it's really relevant in the topic of boundaries. Um, Say someone does want to run up to you and give you a big old hug, but um, let's talk about boundaries, especially in the form of, um, you know, meeting new people and feeling like you should want to do everything, yet... You, little does Joe Schmo know that like you created Friday night spa night for yourself every night in your bathroom, you know, since the pandemic and that's your thing. Or maybe you do um, a 5 p.m. Zoom yoga every night and that's your thing. Or maybe you love your new bedtime or whatever. I mean, these are little examples that are actually big, you know. So let's talk about boundaries a little bit. What can you recommend to us as a starting position?
1: Yes, that's a really good question. And I think this has maybe gotten a little bit easier since the pandemic because a lot of things are closed and a lot of people aren't getting together as much just by nature of the circumstances of what's been happening over the last year. But I think that the best place to start again is trying to boil down what your limits are, what your values are, what your ethics are, what your morals are, what do you need to be able to keep your cup full because you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. So the way it's the analogy that I use when I'm explaining boundaries to, to families or kiddos or patients in the office is if you think about a cup of water, when somebody asks you to do something, it takes a certain amount of energy. And if the water in the glass is your energy budget, for example, you know, a spoonful here to you know, run a PTA meeting or a spoonful here to run an errand for somebody, if you keep taking spoonfuls out of your own glass and giving them to other people, if you don't have anything left, how are you supposed to feel your own emotional needs? Mm -hmm. So the way that you fill your own glass up is with self-care. And self-care comes in a lot of different forms. Boundaries is only one of them. So boundaries quiet time, exercise, hydration, limiting alcohol and caffeine, going out with friends, you know, and seeing people that make you feel better, not worse about yourself. These are all forms of boundaries and self-care. So I think really identifying, you know, what keeps you whole, what keeps you full and making sure that there's a balance between keeping your own glass full and also being able to help other people when you can. Mm,
0: Those are great examples. And one thing I do kind of that kind of came up is, you know, maybe during the pandemic a lot of people realized, I'm, you know, as much as we should be grateful for our family, which I'm very grateful for my family, but what if you're someone that is realizing that they really don't get lit up by their family and they realize i am very different than my family and i don't want to go back to that me being in a certain role um but i i realized that i am my own person now and i really like my values and my ethics and how i think um how would you kind of tell a client um to work on that for that boundary aspect practice it's
1: gonna take practice it's gonna be a little weird at first when when you, as an individual, change, the people around you, by nature of the fact that you are changing, are forced to change as well. If you stay the same, everybody else stays the same, unless they're making active choices in which to change things. Then, by default, that relationship changes, right? So, if everything stays at that status quo, nothing changes. So if you as an individual are discovering new things about yourself, new ways of being, new hobbies, new things that you enjoy, and you're changing, by nature of you changing, people around you are forced to change. And that is uncomfortable for some people. There are some people who like you just the way you are, no change is necessary because you get comfortable after a while, however, comma, not a newsflash, people change over time. We grow, we learn things, we evolve, we change. And for some people, that's really uncomfortable. Um, so I think just because, you know, for example, you say no to an activity or no to a responsibility, and somebody else, either a friend or member of your family, gets upset for you for setting that boundary, you're saying no does not mean that you should have said yes. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be a process and it, it's gonna take a little bit of getting used to and it might be a little bit weird for you at first, might be a little bit weird for the other people that are around you, but it's we all grow when we all change at a different pace. And if your circle is not serving you either at the moment or for a longer term, A lot of times I feel like people feel obligated to continue to put themselves in situations that make them uncomfortable or make them unhappy just by nature of sharing DNA with people. And there's no rule that says that you have to do anything. A lot of times what I hear in my office is I don't have a choice. I can't change this. I can't do anything about it. And that in and of itself puts you in a position where you have less power. And I challenge that and say, do you really not have a choice or do you just not like the options of the choices that you have? Because the truth is, at the end of the day, we have a lot more choice and a lot more power than we think we do. If we really pay attention to that, there's so much that we can do that is within our control.
0: Mm. Guys, you are full of power. You heard it from the doctor herself. Um. Okay, so before I let you go, I do want to ask about the collaborative care model. Can you explain that to us and why it's so important?
1: Sure. So the collaborative care model, when we're talking about mental health, is integrating mental health into a medical setting. So, for example, a primary care doctor's office or a pediatrician's office. So most people, if you ever looked for mental health treatment, the vaccine... majority of mental health treatment is often done by referral. So, for example, you see your primary care doctor or you see your kiddo's pediatrician and are referred out for that specific service. What the collaborative care model looks at is how do we bring mental health services into a setting like the pediatrician's office or like your primary care doctor's office so that there are fewer death for people to get lost in the system. So that's a really abbreviated version of it, but that's basically what the collaborative care model is. It's how do we bring all of these services together so that you don't have to refer out and potentially lose people kind of in the spokes of the system, so to speak. So
0: would that be like they already have some particular professional on staff or would it be that they have a book of resources for you to do instead of you having to, example, I'll use myself, me having to go to like psychology today and look up someone and then see if they accept my health insurance and then see if they're a fit for me and then see if they have an opening, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's right. So the idea is to keep keep everything under one roof and keep everything in house. A good example of this, and these are places that I've worked before is the VA, for example. So if you go to your primary care doctor and get a checkup and they screen for, let's hypothetically say, PTSD or anxiety or depression, there are already mental health services that are built into the system that are easily connected. Maybe not on the same day, but you are already in a system that serves you because there are already mental health services available in that system. So you and I both live in California. You're familiar with Kaiser. Kaiser is the same same idea, that you go to your primary care doctor's office and they can directly link you to a mental health provider that's in that same organization, eliminating the need for a referral, assuming that they have space in their direct organization and they don't have to refer out. So other, there are other places like uh, academic institutions, for example, when I was in residency doing my adult psychiatry training, we had a primary care mental health clinic that was uh, one of our training sites, actually, where there was a psychiatrist and psychiatric residents on staff at, as part of this primary care clinic but it also had the mental health piece to it too. So you were seeing people for medical things like heart disease and diabetes and asthma and high blood pressure, but you had immediate access to a mental health team. And the vast majority of those patients who were having mental health needs were seen by a mental health provider that same day.
0: And kind of before I... And this show, I just want to say one thing and I think you would totally agree with me is that guys, first of all, the amount of people that are seeing a therapist or talking to a third party, I guess we could call it, you know, is astronomical. So I highly recommend to you if you feel like you're alone or if you feel like you, you know, your journal is just not doing it for you (laughs) or your dog or whatever and you just need to talk to a professional or seek help. Um, Never worry to ask for help. It may be a process. You may have to, to, as I say, quote, date um, a couple therapists here and there. You know, they totally understand if they're not working out and you need to move to another one. It's That's kind of how the system goes. But keep trying. Never give up. There are support groups out there. You know, we're all in this together and we're all living on this earth to help one another. We truly are. So let's get honest with each other. Let's end this stigma of what mental health is classified as and help each other instead of bashing, you know, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so or looking down upon someone like, let's raise each other up. Let's give them knowledge to help them. You know, Um, it's all baby steps together. And so let me ask you, Doctor A. Um, what do you do? What's your honest truth for maintaining a healthy lifestyle for yourself? Personal care, um, self-care. You have a lot of um, emotional, emotionally like charged topics and um, energies coming your way. How do you protect yourself? So
1: this is something that's been a work in progress for a long time. And there are some days that I get it right and some days that I really don't. but it's just because, you know, I, I'm double boarded an adult and child and adolescent mental health doesn't mean that I'm a hundred percent efficient with my self care. It's a process and it will be probably for the rest of my life. So I try to do a lot of things like I like getting up early because it's quiet, it's dark, it's cool, Um, and just have some time to myself, either get up and walk the dogs, or get on the treadmill, or just do some stretching, maybe do a little bit of a workout, but physical movement first thing in the morning is something that really helps me kind of get my body moving, get with the program, wake up, and that helps immensely. Um, as I go through my day, I try really hard to drink more water than I do coffee. I have not always been good at this because some days when I don't sleep well, I need a couple cups of coffee instead of just one. But I really do try to stick with hydration and making sure that I'm eating something throughout the day because I work really long hours. I'm very busy, and it's very easy to forget that I need to fuel my body. So making sure that I'm snacking and having you know healthy food options to be able to fuel my body in a way that's sustainable. I, let's see, we have a lot of animals. So spending time with animals, our animals is great because it really helps me just kind of be in nature and be in existence with another heartbeat but not have to speak or say anything. So that really helps me. And making sure that I am getting enough sleep and going to sleep at a decent time, making sure that I do other self-care things. Like I try to get a massage at least twice a month just to kind of make sure that I'm doing maintenance on my body. I try to see a chiropractor once a once a month as well just to make sure that, you know, my, my body is functioning optimally. And take, you only get one body. So I'm trying really hard to make sure that I take care of my body so that it lasts. Um, so that way I can do what I do for, for a very, very long time because I love my job and I want to make sure that I'm able to, to show up, not just for my patients, but for myself and my family as well.
0: Sounds like you have a really good routine. I got to get on a couple of those things. I can't wait to get a massage once again. I mean, seriously, when you said that, I started salivating. I was like, Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Such, I mean, such a beautiful practice, you know, just get all the kinks out, guys. Well, Dr. A, you are just, I mean, you are just a light to the world, and I'm so happy we were able to have you on the show. You can come back anytime you want, just... Give me a little ring-a-ding-ding and we will get you back on because I think we need more discussion about this. And just to have like open conversation, you know, maybe we can take some some questions from clients and audience members and kind of work on this all together, kind of like our own little Just Be An Honest support group. Um, where can everyone find you if they want more information about your book, your practice, etc., cetera, et cetera?
1: Yeah, so my website has a lot of really great articles and there are free resources on there to that you can search by if there's something that you're looking for in particular. And my website is just my name. It's www.anjaniamladi.com. And then on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Anjani MD.
0: Awesome. And again... Her book is called When the World Got Sick. I'm definitely going to check that out. I have nieces and nephews. That would be a really fun little resource. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, it was a joy. It was a pleasure having you on today. I can't wait to talk to you soon. Until next time, guys, it has been an honor. It has been an absolute pleasure for you having, having you all listen in. And until next time, kiss, kiss, hug, hug, peace, love, ciao. Okay. I just have to say, love her. Dr. A, you can come back on the show anytime. Am I right, guys? Seriously, raise your hands. I'm always, I think we're all constantly learning about how to give our self, self-care, personal time, set boundaries, appropriate boundaries, really speak our truth. You know, that's what the Just Being Honest podcast and my mission is all about. It's about creating that consciousness to live your truest, highest vitality, that largest capacity that you want to be living. Not want to be living. Remember what we just talked about? Needs versus wants. Need to be living. So if you want to check out more about Dr. A, about her her writings about her services, head on over to Angenieumlati MD.com. Again, all of the information is in our show notes. And um, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining in, folks. Be safe. Kiss kiss. I just wanted to say a quick thank you to all of the partners that we work with Ion Biome, Prima and Co, Branch Basics, and all the other ones that we did not mention today that are on our shop page at justbeinghonest.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Guys, I only push out the products that I use personally and that I stand behind their ethos. So check them all out. They're all there. A lot of sustainability and action going on. You know, that's my thing. Um, another thing is, guys, I want to thank you, the listeners, the audience members, and my, clientele, my Lifestyle design clients. I love y'all so much. Um, I love being a cheerleader for you all in this life. (laughs) Being a human is not easy. We all know that. Being a bag of flesh is not easy. We all know that. But guess what? Beneath all of that, we are such beautiful souls. And I want you to know that. So if you contact me at Just Being Honest KB on Instagram or send me a quick contact email through my website, um, I would love to give you guys your first consultation absolutely f- free. All right? So that's your free lifestyle consultation. Absolutely free. We'll see if we're a match. Another thing is I could use your support. Um back on Apple iTunes. Give me a five star rating. Let's boost this podcast together, guys. We got to steer the ship together. So if you like this content, if you know a friend that would like this content, five stars on Apple iTunes and send a comment. I want to know some feedback. What do you think of the show? That helps me. I love a good comment. So with that being said, a thank you. If you show me that you did that, I will send you product. Yes, I have got a lot of amazing product out there. I've got adaptogens. I've got multivitamins, all from the best brands that I use personally. So you might get something, just a beautiful surprise in the mail. Who doesn't love surprises? I know I love surprises. So thank you guys so much. Remember, that's five-star rating for the Just Being Honest podcast in Apple iTunes. Remember, bean has no G.